Ray White. Why wait? Plan for your tomorrow today. All right, on the huddle with me this evening, we've got Trish Sherson, Sherson Willis PR, Neil Jones, public relations firm Capital. Hello, you two. Hello. Uh, obviously, Trish, that was a spanking for the Prime Minister and the Labour Party, no matter how much she tries to pretend it wasn't. Yes? <laughs> well, I think the Labour Party will have trypophobia looking at all the little black holes where their caucus <laughs> used to, is going to less, you know, after the next election on this basis. I think, you know, my takeout around this is absolutely, this was um, in particular Auckland muscling up against the government and all the stuff that the city has been through um, in the last two years. I think it was the rest of the country muscling up against things like um, Three Waters. Um, and I, you know, in particular in Auckland, the worry for Labour has to be around the next election. The voter turnout in the likes of South Auckland, where normally Labour drives out huge numbers of voters, turnout was down at around 19%. Now, I know this is local body and it's low, but all of the indicators up here uh, point to a really tough time next election. What do you think, Neil? Do you disagree? Well, I think it is a bit rough to say it's a referendum on the government because we know local government doesn't run down strict party lines. We know the turnout is low and we know that often it's about local personalities and local issues. But, you know, I'll come to it in a second, but I will just say there have been some successes. I mean, Auckland Council has flipped to a slight, you know, it's a slightly centre-left majority. There are more Labour-branded councillors than last time. Um, Hamilton's good for I the I don't left. know that, is it? All? And, I think it's straight down the middle, isn't it? It's not uh, actually slightly. My understanding is on latest count today, it's flipped slightly to the centre-left. I could be wrong, but that's what I'm being I told. I it was 9-12. I understand it's flipped. there's been a flip this morning, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. Yeah, a wrong. flip of two, but I think it takes it down the middle. But regardless, anyway, carry on. And, and the whole Wellington region is a sea of red and green. So... You know, there are some bright spots for the left, but it is fair to say the results weren't great for the left nationwide. Um, you know, the mayoralties in the big cities, a bunch of smaller ones went the wrong way. And I guess I would just say, you know, I think the government has lost its political radar a bit recently. And as someone who supports this government, I, I just think this would be a really good opportunity for a stock take a year out from the election and just think what's working, what's not, what do we ditch, what do we keep, and what's our story. Trish, what did people vote on, do you think? Well, quite often, uh, and I think that this showed this, I think people vote on often grumpiness. And, you know, if you look at Wayne Brown's election in Auckland, uh, it's it's a grumpy vote for a grumpy candidate um, who is, you know, promising basically to knock heads together. There mm. were certain things, I think, as we've said around the country. I mean, Three Waters is an absolute sitter, um, yep. which everybody is uh, upset about. And I think then in Auckland you had subsidiary issues like the, um, you know, Wellington knows best. You, your neighbour can bowl the house next door and put up three storeys next to you without resource consent. Uh, that hasn't gone well. So I think those are a couple of the main ones. But again, it, I think overall it's, it's a sentiment issue that people were voting on. And do you agree with that, Neil? Because, I mean, at the moment, we are just trying to, we're trying to figure out what it is. We don't have, you know, exit interviews or something that we can actually find out from people. What did they vote on? It feels to me like Trish is right. There's a little bit of grumpiness. There's a bit of three waters. There's a bit of traffic as well in there for, for Auckland and Christchurch. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the right track, wrong track surveys that they do nationwide, I mean, every, it is a hard time in politics. Everyone's grumpy. Um, the economy's not doing great. Um, you know, COVID's still kind of a bit niggly. So there's that kind of background noise. And, and as Trish said, I mean, here in Wellington, where I live, um, you know, housing density, that was a big debate. Um, you know, things like public transport, 
Um, you know, things like Three Waters wasn't such a big thing here. Um, cycleways were a big issue. Here in Wellington, that flipped progressive because people supported that kind of thing. I can imagine other cities, it's not the same. So I think it probably just differs around the country. But obviously, Three Waters was a big deal in rural New Zealand for reasons I can't quite understand. Because if you don't want water to be filthy and you don't want to get poisoned, and you don't want higher rates, Three Waters <laughs> seems kind of obvious to me. Oh, Neil. Oh, for God's sake. That is exactly that is exactly why your party just got spanked. Because your when mate. we turn... Yeah, when we turn the taps on, Neil, we're not getting poisoned and the water's largely clear. That's why yes. nobody cares about it. Well, there was, there was a whole Royal Commission which showed what happens about if we don't fix this stuff. one time in Havelock North. Yeah, and there are yeah, all over the country. Yeah, one time years ago. Yeah, and all over the country there are events where people can't drink boiling uh, water. There are boiling oh, water mate. notices in Wellington. I'll tell you what, on Wellington, the level of fe- things that we give a oh, shit no, about, it is though. down there. Well, speaking of that, Wellington, you have feces running down the street. I mean, it oh. is... Our water, no. our water and, structure and is in a horrible state of disrepair. People aren't opposed because of that. They're opposed because it, the way it's been put forward yes. is undemocratic and it's been a, a shocking sell and it's government just rolling in going, hey, we're not listening and here's what we're doing. And I think, but, you know, that is one of the issues that is, absolutely crystallising the negativity um, around this government. I, I think that they have failed to sell it, and I think it's been a shocking piece of political management from the government, but if you do sit down and look at what you know what the problem is and how you yeah. fix it, well, I think they have struggled, but the, the issue is, actually, if you sit down and look at it seriously, there's not much to argue with. I think it's got caught up in a whole lot of other issues that are symbolic. And nah, that, there's I mean, heaps it does, to argue with, Neil. That I does, argue that with does fall the back time. on the government. That does fall back you know on what? the government from failing to sell it. Yeah, mate, if only the government spent as much energy trying to fix ram raiding situations, I think we'd all be happy. Back of the huddle, Neil Jones, Trish and Neil. So we've got the government walking back the thing with the chefs, right, the qualification requirement for the chefs. Mm. On top of that, they've walked back the numbers of RSE workers. They've lifted them. They've walked back the number of holiday workers. They've lifted them. They've walked back the pay exemption for HOSPO. Why don't they just abandon this whole thing? Well, I think with immigration policy, you want to have a balance, right? I think we've discussed this before here, Heather, which is if you have a free-for-all, it can put downward pressure on people's wages and we get that low economy, low-wage economy problem we've had. But if you're too restrictive, you do restrangle the economy. And so that requires a bit of flexibility. And I think what the government's seen here is they've probably got the balance a bit too far on restricting labour coming in and need to, need to tidy that up. I mean, clearly in hospital and tourism, um, you know, there are worldwide labour shortages, not just here, but all over the world. And so it's probably not a time to be making it hard to get people in. So, look, I think that makes sense. I guess I'd just say on the other side, I don't want the government to sort of go too far down that road and let employers off the hook either. Because so often when people claim they can't find staff, it turns out they've been paying rubbish wages, the conditions are awful. And so the government does need to get the pressure up there as well. Gee, Trish, do you reckon they regret this? Because, I mean, as Neil says, it's already hard. They've made it so much harder, and there are a whole bunch of employers really angry with them about this. Well, employers are really angry, and it's not just because the rules have been um, bad and they have lacked common sense, and employers have been saying until they are blue in the face that this is what's going to happen. Uh, But to pick up on Neil's point, also that these rules against 
employers are couched into frame employers as the bad guys. And I think that is where the huge rift between um, the business community and this government has really come unstuck. The bigger issue, too, is a lack of understanding about the timing and these kind of business rhythms. So we are now, again, way too late in taking off these restrictions because, you know, no chef in a minute is going to decide that they'll ditch their job overseas and get into New Zealand and be here in time for the summer rush. So that is the bigger problem. It's great to see these things being rolled back. It is too hard to get them rolled back. Uh, And then uh, they're too late. I think absolutely when it comes to immigration and look at the government's own issues in the prison system with nurses, etc., you know, they really have to realise just the the impact that um, they're having on businesses and every sector in New Zealand. Mm, too right. Hey, Neil, there's been a lot of criticism of Chris Farfoy going and setting up a lobbying firm when he was just sitting around the cabinet table three months ago and he's got all the secrets in his head. What do you think? Mm. Um, look, on Chris himself, I've always found him very decent and honest, so I don't have any criticism of him personally, but I do think it does raise a legitimacy issue for our political system, and that's the the sort of the quick move from ministerial role to a lobbying role. And I guess from my perspective, what I've always said is we need to have a set of regulations in New Zealand like we do overseas, which say things like there's a stand-down period if you've had a political, uh, sorry, ministerial role. Um, there's a register which says if you're advocating for an outside organisation, you need to go on a register and you need to sort of track the interactions you have. And that kind of could sit alongside the existing rules we have around things like the OIA and proactive diary releases that the government's instituted. I think that kind of gives the public confidence because what you don't want is people feeling that their democracy is not, you know, that that, it, that it's grubby, that people are taking advantage. Yeah. So I think that's important. Yeah, Trish, I, I, the thing about it is I, absolutely Chris Farfoy is a decent guy, but this does not look right, does it? The the rules suggested, I think, are a good thing, a stand-down period. But, but let's have a look at the reality around this. I was thinking about this today, and it actually made me smile. You know, there is not one major issue that Auckland businesses um, need government to understand that they haven't taken to them for the last, you know, six and a half years mm. at nauseam. So I'm not sure what the breakthrough is going to be from Chris, um, you know, going down and saying the same things again. Yeah, well, that's a fair point, actually, come to think of it. If they're not listening, they're not going to listen to anybody. Guys, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Neil Jones, public relations firm Capital, Trish Sherson, Sherson Willis PR.